Today, I continue the teaching series on our bishop's recent pastoral letter entitled, It is the Lord. Last week, we talked about the seven sacraments in general, and we were reminded that, as our bishop wrote, the seven sacraments are privileged encounters with Jesus throughout the entire course of our earthly lives. They are his way of keeping his promise, I am with you always. We learned that the seven sacraments are not just human rituals that we've made up and that we can change, but rather they're gifts from God and conduits of his grace. They do what they represent, and we need all seven of them. And while all seven are necessary and good and holy, this week we focus on the most important sacrament of all, the Most Holy Eucharist. And again, this teaching may sound rather familiar because I offered a similar teaching a couple of years ago. And, well, in some sense, you hear this teaching every, every weekend at Mass, but it bears repeating. And in truth, it's challenging to preach one sermon on the Eucharist. It's tough because what do we talk about? Because the Eucharist is everything. The Eucharist is Christ himself. It's the reason the Catholic Church exists. It's what holds the Church together. And it certainly is the most important thing in my life. It's the very reason that Catholic priests exist at all. So figuring out what to say in a few minutes, and I apologize, this will be a bit longer, but uh, it's, it's hard to figure out what to say. What do I focus on? I could focus on the biblical basis for the Mass, how the Eucharist fulfills the Old Covenant, on how, cel- how we celebrate the Mass, you know, what are the parts of the Mass, and so on. And, or I could focus on the worthiness to receive the Eucharist, I mean, on and on, we could talk about so many different things. But I kept coming back to the one fact I thought needed to be emphasized above others. And that's that in the Eucharist, in Holy Communion at Mass, Jesus Christ is actually physically present. I've said before, I mean, I said it earlier today, all of the sacraments bring about the realities they represent. Well, and in the case of the Eucharist, The bread and wine, they symbolize the body and blood of Jesus, but they do more than just symbolize the body and blood of Jesus. Because this is one of the sacraments and because the sacraments work, the the bread and wine become the body and blood of Jesus. And this is an objective reality. This means It doesn't depend, for example, on my own personal faith or worthiness to act as a priest. You know, I could be a jerk, I could be boring, maybe you hate me, whatever, but a priest, even if you don't like him, like, he brings the Eucharist. Hopefully your priests are holy and good, but it doesn't depend upon, the reality of the real presence does not depend upon the, the worthiness or the personal holiness or uh, the friendliness, or whatever, the personal faith of the priest. Likewise, it doesn't depend upon your personal faith either. That's what Lutherans claim. If you go forward and receive communion in Lutheran thinking, that, and you don't really believe that it's the real presence, it doesn't become the real presence. Not so here 
It is an objective, not subjective reality. And we also understand that Catholic priests are the only ones given this power to celebrate, to effect this change uh, by God. When a validly ordained Catholic priest takes the bread and wine and says the words of consecration over them, this is my body and this is the chalice of my blood, a miracle occurs. Those are the words of God, and the word of God has power. As God said, let there be light in Genesis, that's all it took. There was light. Light came into existence. Similarly, when God says through his priest at the altar, this is my body, it is. It's no longer bread and wine. It becomes actually the body and blood of Jesus Christ, physically present right here in this space. We give this miracle the theological name of transubstantiation. Transubstantiation. A change of substance. So we mean the underlying substance, but not, at least not usually, the outward appearance changes. The underlying substance, but not usually the outward appearance changes. It's not bread. It's Jesus himself. Now, many Catholics don't believe that. Different studies give different figures about how many Catholics reject this teaching, but in any case, it's a significant amount. Many of many Catholics think that the Eucharist is just a symbol of Jesus' body and blood. Only a symbol. And certainly that is what most Protestants and what most evangelical Christians claim with different caveats and variations, of course. But this just brings to my mind Catholic author Flannery O'Connor. Maybe you've heard this before, but she recounted how once she was visiting with a fallen-away Catholic who had left the faith um, and some very big intellectuals, she put it. She was so intimidated by how smart everyone at this gathering seemed that she didn't dare say hardly a word. She wrote the following about her visit. The conversation turned on the Eucharist, which I, being the Catholic, was obviously supposed to defend. Mrs. Broadwater, the fallen away Catholic, said when she was a child and received the host, Holy Communion, she thought of it as a symbol and implied that it was a pretty good one. I then said in a very shaky voice, Well, if it's a symbol, to hell with it. That was all the defense I was capable of, but I realize now that this is all I will ever be able to say about it, except that it is the center of existence for me. All the rest of life is expendable. All the rest of life except for the Eucharist, in her mind, is expendable. All the rest of life. So many people wander off. They've got to go shopping. They've got to do this. They've got to go out work. They've got to work in the field. They've got to whatever. They do all of that before the Eucharist and instead of the Eucharist. But for Flannery O'Connor, all the rest of life is expendable. 
as she said, it's, if it's a symbol to hell with it. And, you know, that's a good way to put it. Because, honestly, if the Catholic Church is wrong about this, well, then it's leading a lot of people astray, guiding them into idolatry, worshiping something that's not God. But the Catholic Church is not wrong. And the constant, constant witness of tradition from the earliest of the Church Fathers all the way down to today proclaims the same truth. Flannery O'Connor got it. This awesome, and I mean that in the real sense of the word, of inspiring awe, this awesome reality of Jesus' presence in the Eucharist, it is no mere symbol. This is how the God of the universe, Jesus, has chosen to be present in the world to you. Now, don't get me wrong, some people will object if I say, God is right here, by saying, well, God's everywhere. And in a way, that is right, but let the Catechism explain my point here. Quoting, Christ Jesus is present in many ways to his church, in his word, in the church's prayer, where two or three are gathered in my name, in the poor, the sick, and the imprisoned, in the sacraments of which he is the author, in the sacrifice of the mass, and in the person of the minister. But he is present most especially in the Eucharistic species. In the most blessed sacrament of the Eucharist, the body and blood together with the soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore the whole Christ, is truly, really, and substantially contained. This presence is called real, by which is not intended to exclude other types of presence, as if they could not be real too, but because it is presence in the fullest sense. That is to say, it is a substantial presence by which Christ, God and man, makes himself wholly and entirely present. So I said, this is an awesome reality that we encounter here. Yet these days, it's not uncommon to hear people say, and I've even heard our own kids be honest in class and say, Mass is boring. I don't get anything out of it. And people will leave because of this. And I think there must be, this must be about the greatest insult we could ever offer our Lord. When Jesus Christ is really present here, space and time are in a way folded to bring us right there to the foot of the cross where Jesus is dying for us. We are seated, too, right there with the apostles at the Last Supper. And it's boring. No, it is not boring. If you think it's boring, you don't know what you're missing. You don't even know what is happening here. In fact, countless people who understand the Mass is not boring find the Eucharist so interesting they're willing to die for it. I think especially of the martyrs of Abitine. In the 4th century, the Roman Emperor Diocletian ordered churches and copies of the scriptures to be destroyed. He made it illegal for Catholics to gather for worship. 
And these 49 people defied the order. They risked their lives. They gathered in someone's home with a priest to celebrate the Mass. And they were caught. When asked why they broke the law, one of them responded, We cannot live without meeting on Sunday to celebrate the Eucharist. We would not have the strength to face the daily difficulties and not succumb. They were executed for their devotion to the Eucharist. They chose a gruesome death over life without the Eucharist. I think, too, of the French Revolution in the 1700s when religious and priests were being executed in large numbers, or the same in England after Henry VIII. Courageous Catholic families would risk their lives to smuggle priests into their homes and then secretly invite their Catholic neighbors over so they could have Mass. They risked their lives for the Eucharist. Even today, Catholics in China, in the Middle East, in Nigeria, which you almost never hear about Nigeria in the news, but terrible things are happening there for Catholics. And elsewhere, around the globe, people risk their lives to attend Mass. Here, we take our freedom for granted, but we shouldn't. As of November 1st, the organization Catholic Vote had cataloged 376 attacks on Catholic churches in our country since May of 2020. And our nation's leaders, so many of our leaders, even those who profess the Catholic faith, and, and our culture in general, it's all becoming more hostile to the faith every day. The devil absolutely hates the Eucharist. He hates your and my devotion to the Eucharist. So, he wants us to think it's that Mass is boring. He wants us to think that it's just a symbol. He wants us to think we can have a better and deeper relationship with Jesus without the Eucharist somewhere else. He tempts us to walk away from the Catholic Church for something more entertaining or welcoming. But this is the church that Jesus Christ himself founded. And it's the church where he himself still resides. As Pope Benedict XVI once put it, in a homily I think it was, today this should more, once more sink into our hearts. God is near. God knows us. God is waiting for us in Jesus Christ, in the Blessed Sacrament. Let us not leave him waiting in vain. Let us not, through distraction and lethargy, pass by the greatest and most important thing life offers us. This sacred proximity to us is always alive in the churches. It is always calling us and inviting us in. This is what is lovely about Catholic churches, that within them there is, as it were, always worship because the Eucharistic presence of the Lord dwells always within them. Right there in that tabernacle, that golden box, we keep the Holy Eucharist. That's why a candle is always burning next to it, to remind us that Jesus Christ is really there. And this is why I constantly encourage people to join us for Eucharistic adoration here in Stanley on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, or to just drop in any time during the day and visit. 
God is here. And during Mass, so much could be said about this, but during Mass, he even comes into our very bodies in Holy Communion. For us, if we're properly disposed and not in a state of mortal sin at the time, this is an immense benefit. For a time, he is as physically close to us as he was to his mother, Mary, when he was within her womb. And that has great benefits for us. The Catechism summarizes the effects of worthily receiving communion this way. Communion with the body and blood of Christ increases the communicant's union with the Lord, forgives his venial sins, and preserves him from grave sins. Since receiving the sacrament strengthens the bond of charity between the communicant and Christ, it also reinforces the unity of the church as the mystical body of Christ. We should all seek communion with our Lord. But if we are in a state where we cannot yet receive Holy Communion, you know, maybe you're not Catholic yet, or maybe you need confession first, or maybe there's an irregular marriage situation or or something like this. I pray you'll find the courage and the strength to rectify things because you're missing out. And if I can help, please let me know. And now I pray that we may all better understand, better appreciate, and more worthily receive Holy Communion. Amen.